how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? We focus so much on the negative. Why don't we dream a little? We dream about our business goals. We have our business coaches. We're going through our financial targets. We're going through how much our family would be better, the bigger houses we want to buy, the bigger vacations we want to go on. When was the last time we dreamed about our communication skills? And the answer is never. So we need to start there. And then we get excited. And we have the one thing that most of us don't have right now, which is motivation to even work on communication in the first place. Most business owners and entrepreneurs are secretly sick of hustling. And if you are too, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast with me, Mickey Anderson, where we're revolutionizing success because you should have it all. Business success, lasting wealth, freedom, and fulfillment. Join me on this quest to uncover the keys to defining and achieving success on our terms so we can all hustle less and profit more. I am so pumped to dig into public speaking because this is something we can all get better at. But before we get started, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the audience and and give them a little bit of a taste of who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely, Mickey. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on. So yeah, Brandy Kumar Salman, the founder of MasterTalk. MasterTalk is a YouTube channel I started to help the world master their communication and public speaking. And I also have a coaching practice for executives and entrepreneurs who are looking to boost their, their comms. But how my story started, since you're local, I think you'll resonate with it a bit more, is I went to university. I went to Concordia specifically, and I went to business school. So, so for me, the goal was never to be a YouTuber or to make videos, Mickey. The, the goal is to be an executive at a company. So, so I went to business school and I did these things called case competitions. So think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing, it's the only way to explain this to you. Right? Well, other guys my age were playing football or rugby or swimming, right? Gals, you know, guys and gals like you, competitive swimming. Yeah, that's not me. Uh, that scares me. It's going to hurt me. So what I did instead was presentations competitively. And believe it or not, Canada is actually a massive case competition like thing. It's like a very small niche that nobody knows about. But like all the business schools, like the University of Ottawa and Montreal and Canada, they all compete in these things. So that's how I got really good at communication, Mickey. But then as I got older, I started coaching people in my own local university and how to speak so they could compete as well. And I accidentally became the youngest communication coach in the world because I coached like 70 people, but I was only 22. And that's what led to Master Talk because I felt everything I shared wasn't available for free. And then it turned to something I never thought it would. I think a lot of us get caught up in, in the fact that it, it's not easy. It's not necessarily intuitive for a lot of people. And there's a huge difference between being a good speaker and being a great speaker. But I'd love to start off learning a little bit more about why most of us stink at communicating in public speaking. <laughs> Absolutely. Mickey, you by the way, you don't have this problem. <laughs> really good at communication. But but I would say for for most of us, the reason we struggle is actually really simple if you think about it. Where do we learn how to speak? And the answer is school, elementary school, high school. That's where we learn how to present. But the problem, Mickey, is three different things. One, all of those presentations are mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Mickey, you want to get breakfast in Ottawa and present all day? Like, nobody says that. So that's one. Number two we never get to pick the topic. 
So it's never, Mickey, what are you passionate about? Do you love art? Do you love podcasting? Do you want to talk about swimming? Do you want to do a presentation on Canada? No, you got to talk about uh, Shakespearean poetry. And after you're done with that, you got to talk about the Renaissance. So not super fun either. But number three is the worst. And number three is every presentation you give is punishable, which means if you don't do a great job, you don't get a pat on the back. You lose 30% of your grade. And those habits get repeated over and over until you become an adult. So what's the conclusion? The conclusion is if 100% of everything that we've done in our lives is mandatory, is different, and is tied to a punishment, we grow up believing that communication is a chore and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. Wow. That last point about punishment really hit home because now all we look at when we have those opportunities to speak and communicate are the risks and the potential for failure instead of the opportunities and the potential for either growth or learning or whatever it might be. And so it feels really not just vulnerable, but dangerous to put yourself out there in public speak. I mean, you summarized that so well because you you went through both those categories. It's like the whole we focus so much on the pain versus focusing, especially as business owners, people are listening to this, is like a lot of us think about we focus on the fear. We don't focus on the upside. You know what Gary Vaynerchuk's yelling at us all to do? Yeah, he makes point. Like It's like if you dream, you can actually – if it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't have a business. And that's really the point that I want to drive for people is there's a massive untapped opportunity. But my angle, which is a bit different, is a simple question, Mickey, that nobody who is listening to this podcast has really thought of or even reflected on. And the question is simply this. How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? We focus so much on the negative. Why don't we dream a little? We dream about our business goals. We have our business coaches. We're going through our financial targets. We're going through how much our family would be better, the bigger houses we want to buy, the bigger vacations we want to go on. When was the last time we dreamed about our communication skills? And the answer is never. So we need to start there. And then we get excited. And we have the one thing that most of us don't have right now, which is motivation to even work on communication in the first place. As you said that, I think, Immediately, I started having flashes of opportunities and potential and all of these times when I I could have stepped up and taken an opportunity to speak. And I, I think for a lot of us, we get caught up in the day-to-day and all the things we need to do. We think, oh, man, there's no chance for me to go in public speak. But we miss those little opportunities to practice, those safe opportunities for failure and for learning along the way. For those of us who are looking to start getting better, to even set those kinds of goals, where should we be taking that first step? Absolutely, Mickey. So the first step, and then let's get into some tactics, is really going back to that question. Because a lot of times when I say the question, a lot of people's reaction is generally, oh, that's cute. It's a cute question. But they <laughs> yeah, don't like, put me on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, it works really well. You're very open, right? But yeah. you know, a lot of people, they might look at the question and go, yeah, it's cute, but I got a business to run. So, so here's what I would say. Don't sidestep the question. Spend 15 minutes. Book it in your calendar after you've done this episode. And just ask yourself, huh, how would my life change? Why? Because communication is so much more than giving a speech. Right? I think public speaking is, is vastly misunderstood. It's not just about giving a speech in front of 10 million people. It's the way you talk to your family. It's the way that you order food at a restaurant. It's the way that you meet strangers when you travel, though you probably won't meet much in Ottawa, but you get the idea, right? <laughs> it's every moment 
of your life. And when we realize that communication is about leading a fulfilling life, that is when we start to take it more seriously. So having said that, what are some easy exercises that we can work on? I call them my easy threes and I'll say them one at a time so I don't monologue for seven minutes here. So, so the first one is the random word exercise. Okay, all you have to do is pick a random word, like phone, like, I don't know, lipstick, painting, window, and create random presentations out of thin air. So why does this matter? It matters because if you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. So especially in the context of business owners, if you can talk about mangoes fairly easily, when you go into a sales call with the prospect, I mean, it's the same product every time, you'll knock it out of the park. I love that idea because if I'm in a presentation or I'm communicating with someone, what if I lose track and get stumped or lose my place? And with that exercise, you can just look for anything and continue the conversation naturally and find your way back. For those of us who maybe want to give this a shot, is there any hard and fast rules or things we should look for when we're practicing? Great question. And the answer is no rules. Because a lot of people generally like to ask this. They go like, okay, what's the formula? How do you do this? And the answer is simply this. You don't get points for doing it well. You get points based on how many times you do it. Mm -hmm. So it's all about the quantity. But there is a tip that I'll share. And the tip is the best way to do this with accountability without a coach is your own family. Do this with your kids. Do this with your nieces, do this with your nephews. What a lot of my clients do, Mickey, because they're super busy people, is I always go, there's always time. So they can do it in the shower. That's easy. Everyone's taking showers, right? I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this does that. I hope. I hope. Yeah, me too. And then the second piece is when you're driving, and it could be nieces and nephews for people who don't have kids. But basically, let's use that as an example. You're driving your kids around from school. Just turn off the radio. And do the random word exercise with your kids because you'll find really quickly that they do it better than you do because they don't ask silly questions like what's the formula? They just do it. They go, orange is a boom. And we all have that. It's just we lose it along the way. And that's the challenge. Yeah, it's like the kids haven't all of a sudden realized that people are going to judge me. I'm not afraid to make a mistake. I'm just going to go for it because it's fun. Whereas we will think of it more like an adult or like there's risk. I'm going to look like a fool. I'm going to mess up. I, I love that because you're basically putting yourself with someone who's going to bring you into the energy that you should be. So I love the way you put that. Super good. <laughs> I have a daughter who's going to be four soon, so I'm so excited to try this with her. That's going to be so much fun. Yes. Uh, all right. So we're practicing random word exercises. What's number two? Absolutely. So number two is, and also caveat, it will work on your four-year-old daughter. I think I think the youngest it's worked on was four, my experience, like three, four, mm-hmm. so. They'll definitely work. So the second one is question drills. So we get asked questions all the time in our life, Mickey. At work, at school, on the podcast, we're always being asked questions. But most of us are reactive, not proactive to the questions we get asked. I'll give you an example. When I started my podcasting journey, probably like early 2020, when I started kind of guesting on shows, which I didn't think I could do before then. Somebody asked me this fascinating question. He said, where does the fear of communication come from? And I was like, uh, I don't know, dude. San Diego, Los Angeles? Like, I don't know. So, so obviously, I wasn't prepared for that question. So what did I do? Every day for five minutes, just five minutes, not five hours, I would write down the answer to one question I thought the world would ask me about my expertise. 
And especially for business owners, this is 100% effective. So every day I would be like, okay, one, your program's too expensive. How do you answer that? Question two, uh, how do you communicate like introverts? Or how do you, what tips do you have for them? Number three, uh, what are some daily exercises that people practice every day? So I just did that five minutes every day for a year. And if you do that for a year with just five minutes a day, Mickey, not 10 hours, just five minutes, you'll have answered 300 and 65 questions about your offer, your product, your service, your expertise, you'll be unbeatable. The cost to get better is zero dollars and zero cents. It's just most people aren't willing to put in the time to get there. We use a similar strategy. So I'm a, I'm a conversion copywriter and marketer. And we use a similar strategy when we're, we're writing content for businesses. We'll pick what are the top three to five biggest objections you get at the point of sale. Let's write content that overcomes the objection and put it out there in the world. But most of the time we create that, it goes out and then the business owner or the salesperson never sees it, touches it, or practices it. <laughs> and, and I love that you're like you're basically putting the, the flashlight or the mirror on the person saying, no, 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 it's not about the question itself. It's about your ability to respond in a practiced and calm manner. Yes. So I'm going to dig into this one a little bit because I think a lot of us feel uncomfortable when people ask us questions, especially when it's like well, your product or service is too expensive, or I don't know if you're worth it. And we get that emotional rapid response where we get flustered and feel hot. <laughs> At least these are what I feel. Um, in the moment when, we're, when we get those feelings, are there ways that we can help kind of recalm ourselves or, or reground ourselves before we respond? I love, I love the nuanced follow-up. And the answer is simple, Mickey. Don't wait for the moment. Prepare for the moment. Right. The reason I'm so, you know, fine. I mean, let's let's use me as an example because I'm always the best example. I started master when I was 22, Mickey. There's some people like coach now who are who have worked longer in their companies, even today. I'm 26 now, than I've been alive. How how in the world am I able to answer their questions calmly and concisely? Is it because I'm smarter than everyone? No, of course not. It's because I've drilled more. When you get asked the same, the question, hey, Brandon, what are the three easy exercises that you can do on a daily basis? Kind of similar to what you just asked. Yeah, sure. The first time, I'm not really sure. Oh, okay, Mickey, maybe. But if it's the 400th time of answering the same bloody question, like it is now, and, I, and don't worry, it's normal that you ask me the same questions because that's the value for the audience. So I don't mind at all. That's the point of podcasting. It's delivering the same value over and over again. But the point is, it doesn't face me anymore. But the problem is most people don't prepare for the moment. But here's another tip I'll give you, Mickey, that is so simple. Once again, simple stuff. This is not rocket science. Is you don't have to think about this on your own. So you can play team. So what does that mean? So with my business partners and my friends, we do the question with each other. Obviously, our version is a lot more intense, which is like, you know, hundreds of questions at once or something. But most people don't do that. Do it once a day. But if you don't know the answer, who cares? And I'll tell you why. Because I can go back, let's say, I mean, you are doing this exercise uh, and you go, oh, your product's too expensive and I don't know how to answer it. I just go back to you and go, how would you answer it? Mm. <laughs> and then and then you might say something like, well, Brendan, well, if somebody asked you that, I would just ask them back a question. Why do you feel it's expensive? And that's how it ends. And I would just steal your answer because we're in the same industry. So who cares? We're not competing against each other. I'll just steal what you got, right? Austin Kleon argues that in Steal Like an Artist, right? It's one of his books. So it's the same thing, right? Picasso says it best, you know, your great artist copy, uh, sorry, good artist copy, great artist steal, right? So just do that and you'll be bulletproof, but don't do it on your own. 
I love it. So I had a guest earlier in the show who had a great way of saying it. It was um, they do R&D. It's rip off and uh, what was it? Rip off and duplicate was his saying. So they'd go into R&D and they would look at what everyone else was doing in the market and do that. And that's essentially what it is. It's pulling in your team of experts or people and, and sharing and collaborating and stealing their great answers. For those of us who are solopreneurs and don't have a team, uh, are there any places, any resources we can look to start practicing responding to those answers? I love the nuances. You really are sure your audience well, by the way, Mickey. This is good. Because we're, we're when I like about your questions because we're killing every objection. That that's that's what I love. You don't need a team to do this. You just need friends. And hopefully people who are listening to this have friends. And ideally, if those friends are other business owners, it's game one. And the reason it's game, set, match is because both of you need the same thing from each other. So just help each other. I'll give you a funny or similar example that has nothing to do with business. When I was in university and I prepped for interviews, I wasn't looking to be an entrepreneur. Right? I, was, I was looking to be a company employee. So what did I do differently than every other student? Did I spend a million dollars on coaches, all this stuff? No. I just picked four people that I absolutely adore. These are people I like spending time with. So you don't have to pick the world, just four people you like. And we just prepped each other. So most people don't like doing that. They go, well, if you help that person, what if they get the job and you don't? My rebuttal is always, let's assume they all get a job and I don't. What happens? I still win. Why? Because who's the first person they're going to refer? Schmo on the street or the person who stayed up every night to help them? I still win. Right? So it's the same thing with business owners. Just pick people in non-competing industries that you're friends with and do the question drill with them. And just be overly generous. So when we went into that interview process together, Mickey, we were unbeatable because any individual candidate who was just working on their own, we would crush like a buck. So it's the same thing in business. All of my business partners and all my colleagues drill me so hard on communication that I'm always bulletproof in any podcast interview where I can just sit on my ass in an interview. They could ask me anything. And I go, oh, well, yesterday somebody asked me what the correlation between mangoes and communication, which makes no sense. So I could probably answer this. So yeah, get friends and, and just do this with other people. <laughs> oh my gosh. I could so see how, especially if you have good friends in the process, how fun and entertaining it could be. Because if you start to mess with each other. <laughs> Literally. You know what I love about this, Vicky, is you get it, right? It's not, it's not, meant, it's not meant to like kill you. Like the, mm -hmm. A lot of things about business is really difficult. This doesn't have to be. Have fun with it. Get pizza. I used to have pizza parties with question drills. You get a pizza, humiliate each other, but it doesn't count. There's no points. There's no clients in the room. There's no money in the room. It doesn't matter. But when you're outside, you're, you're on the stage where it counts like a podcast like this, you always over-deliver. Yes. Get the reps in and make it fun, right? It's like my swim training right there. <laughs> yeah, you want to get the reps in, but it's way better if you can make it fun at the same time. Like <laughs> You're going to want to do it more. So we've got the random word drill. So pick a random word, try and make something out of nothing. Now we've got the question drill, pick the most common questions, respond to them and get rips in responding. What's the third one? Right. So the third one, this is the one if, if out of all the exercises you take today, this is the one that you need to do because this is what actually makes you money. Most of the money I make in my business does not come from podcasting. I really just do this to share my media content, all that stuff for free for people. How I make money is this three, third tip, and it takes 30 seconds. It's so simple, nobody does it. Send video messages to your existing clients. That's it. That's it. Like, it's so simple. I have 50 active clients. 
What do I do every three months? I send them a video message, not to sell them, not to do anything like that. Just go, hey, Mickey, hope you're having a beautiful day. How's your summer going? And I just want to say how much I appreciated working with you. You're so awesome. Done. 50 videos. Takes me an hour. What happens the next day, Mickey? I wake up. Maybe 30 of them respond going, oh, my God, Brendan, you're the best. I love you. You're great because nobody sends a video message. And five of those 50 reply, hey, Brendan, thank God you messaged me. I just thought about this vice president I had to introduce you and I totally forgot. Here's the email intro. Done. I make 10 grand a day. That's it. <sighs> but I'm the only service provider in my client base who does this. So I keep making money to ching, to ching, to ching. And you feel good about it because you're not pitching them. You just ask them how their life is going, and they just pour clients like the Niagara Falls all over you. So yeah, life is great. So most people don't do it. <laughs> wow, I adore that. I think first and foremost, set yourself apart from the competition right off the bat. Somebody sees you got a video in your email inbox, you're going to click it first, right? Like that's natural. But also, I, like the science behind it makes sense too, because reading an email of somebody sent to you that's like nice words makes you feel good. But seeing somebody's face, listening to their voice, looking into their eyes, even on the screen is going to amplify those feelings so much. Anybody listening, me, <laughs> we all need to do this. This is the next commitment. So after this podcast episode, go into your email inbox and start recording videos and send them. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Oh. I'm like, mic drop after that. That was amazing. Let, let me push this even more because I know it's business owner focused. So how do you push this even more? Let, let me tell you exactly how I get, I think I get 500 to 1,000 leads a month for free. Okay, no ad spend. I'll tell you exactly what I do. So I do a free training that we'll talk about at the end. But the reason I mentioned this free training because it's useful for your audience yeah, is how do I get- yours. It's tomorrow, right? Yeah, I think it's, wow, you, you really yeah. have done your homework. Yeah, you, I know. Uh, but, but, <laughs> So, which is, it's a great free trade, but the put up, the reason I mention it right now yeah. in, the, in the context right now is so people understand how I get so many clients. Because for me at the end of the day, sure, maybe five people from this podcast will show up to the free trade and feel free to do so. Feel free to attend it. But the point I want to drive with it is that's not where I get most of the leads for that free trading. No, 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 no. Here's what I do. I go to my existing clients who already got the result. Cordy, these are people who already love me to death right? People who are even beyond the YouTube show, they've already, they've worked with me. They've known me for months. Those people bring all of those people in. So I, I literally send a video message, let's say to the Mickeys of the world. Let's just use it as an example. Let's say you're a client. I literally go every three months, every three months I do this. Hey, Mickey, hope you're doing well. Can you bring 15 people to my free training? And you go, absolutely. Cause it didn't cost you anything. And you already got the result. Literally one of my clients said, it's like giving out free Super Bowl tickets. But because you send video messages, they're more likely to do it. So I get hundreds of leads for free. And in the next three years, I'm going to get thousands of leads for free every month with doing nothing besides sending video messages. That's it. Okay. That is wild. Like, take an incredible idea and amplify it 10x right there. Let's let's talk video because I think this is a relevant topic for most of us. We're all in this like Zoom awkward world. And for me, I'm I'm an extrovert, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> so I love being with people. I speak better and more natural. I really enjoy being face to face with people, but that's just not the case for most of us now. We're on Zoom. Is it different online than it is in person? Absolutely. And one other thing I'll touch upon, let's talk about the differences, is a lot of people seem to think when they send videos to their clients, Mickey, that 
oh, like, they don't want to hear from me. They don't care. And what I always like to say is you don't need to be famous to everyone. You just need to be famous to the person who cares to hear from you. So, like, I don't have the biggest YouTube channel in the world. Yeah, sure, it's nice. I got a good following. All that's nice. But who cares? I just need to be famous to the 100 people in that 25,000 who are actually buying my stuff. Right. And though, or 200, whatever the number is. And those people, if I'm sending a video messages to those 200 people, they love to hear from you. Even if you are like, you look ghetto and you didn't do your makeup. And like, I look like a pig sometimes when I send these video messages, but they love it because they, they see me as a celebrity. I don't consider myself one, but they view you as such. That's why it means so much to them. So take action on this, which brings us to the next piece. What is the difference between online and offline? The difference is really simple is in an online presentation, there's like three differences. The first one is eye contact. So when you're in person, you have to move your head around to look at the different people in the room. But in an online scenario, whether you're speaking to one or 10,000 people, Mickey, you only have to look in one area, which is the camera lens, right? So that's it. So just keep your head in the same place. That's one. (laughs) Never move. (laughs) Yeah, just literally never move. There's like fun ways you could do this that are a bit more sarcastic. You can put your favorite, your family next to the camera lens. You put your favorite food or the one that I like that's a bit more sarcastic is you can have like a post-it note that has an arrow pointing to the lens and it says, look here or else. That's a, that's like a fun one. So that's one. Love it. So, second difference is energy. Let's face it, Mickey. Obviously, we're both extroverted, as you both probably can tell. So it's easy for us to show up with energy. But imagine if we were in person. If I drove to Otto for this podcast, I think your house would fall apart because there's just so much energy. We'd be like, chest bumping. (laughs) Just not be too much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like all the windows would start shattering. And your husband would be like, oh, my God, like, uh, I can't enjoy my smoothie. People are too loud. (laughs) So it would just be like wild. So, So what's the takeaway? The takeaway is at the end of the day, it's easier to show up with energy when you're in person. Because if I come to Ottawa, it's like, okay, I have to actually dress myself. I have to make sure I shower that morning. But if it's in per- if it's online, it's like, oh, she'll never know if I have pajamas on, which I do, by the way. But that's the <laughs> point. Like, she, she won't know. So so there's less levels of, of, uh, com- of accountability. So what's the takeaway? Bring more energy in person and transfer as much of that energy as possible virtually. That's the only way that works. And the last piece is accessibility. Once again, if I want feedback from you, Mickey, and we're in person, I could just get lunch with you. It's easy, right? Boom, interview's over, get lunch right after. Harder to do online because there's a lot more mm-hmm. friction because the call just ends. So what, what do you do to, around that? Especially if you're speaking to a group, like an audience, get on calls with people in your audience, get to know them. And ideally, when possible, pull those relationships offline. So that way you can actually talk to them and get better feedback than an in-person presentation. Yes. You know, one of the things we talk about a lot over here is um, most people think they have like a, a lead problem. They think they need more eyes, more people, more people to show up. They they need paid ads and all these things. But when they're not doing is the people they do have is spending quality time with them, building relationships, putting any sort of energy towards that. And what I what I love most about everything that you've talked about today is it's really just about connecting with the person in front of you, whoever that is. Like, that's it. Show up, be there, be present, bring yourself. And of course, practice and prepare, but like, show up. And instead of focusing on all the other people that could be coming, 
send those intentional messages to the people that you already have connections with and build on those relationships. I am just, I love that. I love that. So I'm going to dig even more into the nuances because that's kind of my thing, I guess. I'm just like, you're good at it. Go for it. <laughs> go for it. We're doing it. <laughs> Whether I'm good at it or not is neither here nor there. We're, we're doing it. Um, okay. Let's talk small group to large group because I have once spoken in front of a massive group and it was a very different experience than getting on a webinar with 15 people or walking into a boardroom with five to 10. What can we do to prepare for those moments when we're getting in front of a bigger crowd than maybe we're used to and the energy of the environment is starting to get to us? For sure, Mickey. So here's what I would say. It's kind of like an adjusted for different levels here. I would say 90% of people listening to this podcast probably won't get the bigger stage opportunities if they're still scared to speak on camera. So given that, given that kind of situation here, given that reality, here's kind of different levels of feedback that I'd give for each stage. The first one that applies to all of us listening to this podcast is you need to build a consistent stage where you're practicing speaking. My free train is a good example of this, where regardless if there's 10 people on the call or 50 or 100 or 200, and it changes vastly based on what day I do it on, I, I, it helps me practice consistently. So it's more selfishly for me. So I'm always practicing. So that's the first thing. That's one thing we can control. So in that small setting, let's say a webinar with 15 people, let me give a couple of tidbits that works really well, that gets people excited. The first one is how do you design the workshop? For me, one of my philosophies is what is the definition of value by Christo? Christo is the CEO of the future. And what he says really well is value is simply tell me something I don't already know. So when you share information on a webinar, on a speaking engagement, focus and prioritize information that you feel 99% of the audience isn't aware of or isn't implementing. That's what I do. When I'm on a podcast, every time I share something, I don't just say pause more, do ums and ums. That's what most people in my industry say. So I remove that because I know people won't like have heard that before. And I string other ideas and package it different. So every time I open my mouth, it's always, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I'm not doing that. Oh, I'm not doing that. Oh, I'm not implementing that. So at the end, they go, oh, this was really valuable. So do the same thing in a speaking engagement. Think of it like a gym where you're always working at the gym. But if you're not practicing consistently, when you get the big opportunity, you get on the big stage, you won't be ready for it. So I would start there. So then once that's, when that's starting, you'll start to get addicted to those stages. I'll tell you why. Because you'll start to get consistent clients, right? Nothing is more addicting than getting a client. So the second you start doing the strategy, you get a client, you're like, okay, now I'm going to take this more seriously. And then the piece after that is now how do you prepare for the bigger stages? I would say the most important thing to know, Mickey, is what I call puzzle. And this is for small and big. So public speaking is like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those toy puzzles? Do you do that with your four-year-old daughter? Do they do puzzles yes. with their four? Yes, we do. Yes. Awesome. Oh so you gosh, know the- And she's better than I am. <laughs> Amazing. So you probably know the answer where we can bring your daughter in for the question. So the question is simply this. When you're working on a puzzle with your daughter, which pieces do you start with first and why? Oh, the corners would be the answer. Yeah, because you can build the frame and work your way in. Absolutely. So it's not a trick question. You're absolutely right. And the only piece I would add to that is they're also easier to find in the box. So if you open the pieces, you'll find the corners, you'll do it. So why am I mentioning this analogy? I'm mentioning it because nobody does that in communication. In communication, we do the opposite. We start at the middle first. We shove a bunch of stuff in our presentation. Content this, content that, content this, content this. And then we get to the keynote, whether it's a big or a small stage. And what do we do? We ramble to the, oh, hey, guys. Uh, and then the last slide, something like this. 
Uh, let me look at what time it is. Uh, I mean, uh, thanks. It's like how 95% of all the presents, it's like so easy to stand out because most people are terrible at this. So what's the conclusion? Public speak like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first. Practice your introduction 50 bloody times. Don't do the intro three times. Do it 50 times. 50 seems like a big number. Oh my God, I've done my introduction 50 times. Your introduction is two minutes, people. This will take you like an hour, hour and a half, max. And ideally, since you're a business owner, the keynote's always the same, by the way. My free training, it's always the same thing. I've delivered it 70 times at this point. Same thing, over and over. So you do the introduction 50 times. It'll be exceptional. Do the same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. Same thing with the close. Do it 50 times and then tackle the middle. So when you're practicing on that bigger stage, if you're practicing the top, the bottom, and then the middle, and you're doing that over and over again, then you'll be ready. Last thing I'll say on big stages, you should never, ever practice a new presentation on a big stage. When you're on the big stage, you got to be perfect, which means it needs to. So if you want to do it kind of like stand-up comedians, in the same way they do small comedy clubs to test all their shitty jokes and they do the Netflix special, for you, the shitty jokes and the small comedy clubs is your webinars. It's like the Jerry Seinfeld approach to public speaking. I love it. Yes. Right. <laughs> oh, I never thought of that. You know, in writing, a lot of times they'll say, build the introduction and the conclusion first and, and then do the middle. But I never thought about that with public speaking. What a brilliant idea. I'm I'm very excited to try this on my next one. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I've got my notes. I'm ready to go. <laughs> um. When we think about public speaking, there's a lot of bad advice given out there, right? Like you mentioned um, some when you were kind of working through it. I know I've heard, um, imagine the audience in their underwear. I've heard um, like hold something or there's so many pieces of Hold that. something. Right? Like hold something in your pocket that's soothing or like um, stand behind a podium. Like there's there's so many pieces of advice out there that's just I at least think is rubbish and I'd love to know. What you've heard are like the most common pieces of advice that are actually bad advice that we should stop listening to. I mean, I mean, let's start with the underwear one first. Yeah. You know, my my that was actually the biggest one that got me into Master Talk. Because I just sat there and I just asked myself a simple question that nobody does. What if they're all attractive? Like, <laughs> then what? Like, what happens? I don't want to make this too rated up, but you get what I mean. Like, what do you do? You just yeah. look at them? Like, doesn't make any sense. That's stupid. And then you have, I, I never heard the whole thing one, but let's play that one out for a second. Uh -huh. Okay, so what do you do? You buy like a, a public speaking pillow in your pocket? Like, I don't get that. Like, okay. so I've heard people have like those fidget spinners or something in their hand or something that they can like use to calm themselves. If they've that before. <laughs> it's like, that seems kind of distracting. What if you right, drop so that, it? So that's kind of <laughs> dumb. And And then there's the whole like, and this is more controversial. The whole, like, you should work on your body language and your storytelling, which I think is cool. I think it's important. But that's ball 17. That's not ball one. Ball one is, did you practice your introduction 50 times? Did you practice your conclusion 50 times? Are you even asking your audience questions at the end of your workshops? Are you even sitting down? What do I do with all my corporate gigs? I always show up an hour in advance. Not because they pay me more money to show up an hour in advance. To literally have lunch with the people I'm going to present to. That's it. It's like, yo, what's up? I'm Brendan. What's your name? And I just talk to them. And then I listen to them. So I get more intel. 
Same thing with my Master Talk YouTube chat. One question I get often, Mickey, is how do you come up with so many ideas? You have like 187 videos on communication. Mm-hmm. Is it communication ums and ahs? And the answer is I don't come up with them. My village does, right? My village of people. Because when I'm on a podcast and I'm listening, the reason I like to do these a lot is not really for business. It's because I want to hear what you have to say. What is a question you're going to ask me that I haven't been asked yet? There's always one little thing I get from every host. And that's why I believe I have the best ideas in communication because I'm willing. Just literally yesterday, Mickey, your fun's funny. I had an interview. A guy interviewed me in a banana costume. What the hell? Mate, like, what the hell? You're like one of the more normal people. And I did the interview. I know it's not going to get me clients, but I'm just so fascinated. What is this dude going to ask me? And then he started rapping at me. It was so funny. And I learned so much. And I, and I have a video on my YouTube channel, the three lessons I learned from rappers that apply to any presentation. I'm always trying to stretch myself. And when you do that, you'll be invincible in your industry. No one's going to go that far. And that's why you're going to beat everyone. And, you know, you mentioned your YouTube channel. I am a huge fan of your YouTube channel, by Thank the you. way. Um, I think... It's such, first off, like the reason why I started the podcast here wasn't to get new clients. And and yes, it was to engage with other business owners, but more than anything, it was to practice speaking and communicating. Like this was the whole goal was for me to get better at communicating with other people and connecting with other people. And that was it. And I think a lot of business owners skip that step, right? They're not getting their reps in. But now with social media, with YouTube, with content they can create, they can get in those practice reps just with a camera. Is there a benefit to just recording yourself and watching the recording? There is a benefit, Mickey. And I'm glad that you did this. What, what interview are you at? What number is this? This is episode, it's going to be 16. 16? Wow. Okay. You got super good in 16 episodes. I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> I'll take all the compliments. No, no, no you deserve them. I'm, I'm giving them. But, you know, like what I was going to say, it's like you're you're also the living case. That's why I was like using the host's example because they all know who you are, which is like when you started episode one, you probably weren't as confident. You're probably on the show like, holy shit, I'm interviewing that person. Like, OK, like my questions pre-written like, oh, yeah. Right. And now you're just like laughing. And you're having fun. And that's and that's what I want for everyone who is, who's listening to this is start to develop that over time. But the only way you get there is by actually doing it, Mm. is by actually putting in the work to put in the time. Same thing with my YouTube channel, right? Like when I started, I was a 22-year-old kid in a basement with a a phone and no budget, like zero budget. And then I just saved up money while I was working at corporate. I had no clients. I didn't even know you could make money coaching people. And then after like 10 months, I just gotten really, really good on camera. So yes, do I think there's a benefit to recording yourself? Absolutely. But I think the first step is not even doing that. I think the first step is sending video messages to existing clients because it teaches you an important lesson. And that lesson is your clients, like your audience, don't care how you look. They only care how you make them feel. So when you realize that you get a lot of positive feedback from all these videos, like that, actually, I haven't told that story. I just always assume I did. So anyways, let me tell you the story. So there's a CEO I coach a few months ago, and I told him to do something that was super uncomfortable for him. I said, look, you got 40 people working under you. Send them all. I don't care if it's the janitor or the vice president, send them all. Happy holidays, like for a Jewish holiday. And he didn't want to do it, not because he hated his employees, but because he hated the way he looked on camera. He was like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. 
So I forced him. I basically, I did a bit different. I'm a bit different with those people. I, I pretty much say like, I'll fire you if you don't do it. So it's different. So, so yes, he, I wish I wouldn't do on a podcast. You, you just live your life. But so for those people, I'm a bit more intense. So for them, the, he sent him, obviously he didn't want to get fired, but he woke up the next day to his shock because all the messages he got were not what he thought it was. What he thought what he was going to get was, why are you sending me a video message? What, like, why do you think this is like, this is not appropriate? Like, that's what he thought. And what he got was absolutely the opposite. Oh my God. The CEO of the company just sent me a video message. And then so the, the second person goes, oh my, like some people are crying, like tears of joy. And he didn't understand. And then his mindset never went back to where it used to be because it taught him a very valuable lesson, which is communication is not a chore. Communication is truly a tool for impact, truly a way to make people's a difference in people's life. You don't need to be the next Seth Godin. You don't need to be the next Gary Vaynerchuk or Brene Brown, but you can be the next you. And the next you doesn't need to show up for the world. It needs to show up for their clients. And you need to start there. And when you do that, then you realize you got shit to share that actually matters. You think I can't, thought I, I had something valuable to share? No. The reason I realized I did was from the 70 people I'd coached one-on-one. -on -one. Nobody knew who I was back then. And then I said, I don't have time to coach everyone. I need to share this stuff for the world. And that gave me the confidence. And there's a quote that I can, I can kind of end this point on. The quote is by Ali Gadet. He says, if you help one person, the world will give you permission to help everyone else. But the problem is we don't start with the one, so we never get to the world. Oh, that's so good. Right. I think that's it's so true. So many of us get caught up with the big picture, the big stuff, the big problem, the big audience. And we, we don't think about the few people who adore us that would do anything to get a little bit more time and attention with us that we can absolutely impact their lives. Um, the last one I want to chat about with you, because I, I know that you work with people who have a massive impact on the people around them. And you obviously have the opportunity and get to have a massive impact on everyone that you speak with because we all learn to be better communicators. For, there's a, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. I think a lot of us feel a disconnect between the communication skills we have when we're presenting, when we're selling, when we're, you know, working in our business in those kind of uh, fashion versus as a quiet leader, uh, the CEO who maybe doesn't get to see everyone who only works with the C-suite per se. And and it's, it feels very different from presenting compared to just general communication with a team. I hope I'm explaining this well. Is there a difference between the way in which we communicate with groups where we're presenting or people where we're selling compared to people who we're trying to influence and lead? Interesting. And feel free to ask me a follow-up question if you think I missed the ball on this one. I would say, I think what comes to mind right now, Mickey, is there are slight differences. And the reason those differences are slight is because when you're communicating internally to your team, you're not actually selling them on a product because they're your employees, like they're working in the team. Whereas with sales, when you're doing external, the languaging is a bit different. I think that the lessons are the same, but the context and the languaging is different. So what do I mean here? So on a sales call, you're running the same script every time. You're really getting to know people. 
but you're still coaching them in the same way that you would coach an internal employee on their performance growth, right? But the difference is that the result of both of those discussions is different because in sales, the result is getting them to convert into your offer, whatever the offer is. And in the context of internal, it's to make them feel appreciated, feel welcome, feel inspired, which is also the case for the other one, even if they don't buy your service, but it's more specific to retain them as an employee. So the outcome is actually very different, but the basic strategies apply. So here's kind of an easy way to digest this for people. Communication is a multiplier effect. So when you like kind of like dominoes where you put one domino and all the dominoes start to follow, let me give you a simple way to explain this or understand this. If you smile more in your presentations, my next question is why shouldn't you smile more when you're having prospecting calls, when you're listening to prospects, when you're talking to clients, when you're doing eye contact with people in your audience, you're giving on this big stage, you're speaking. Why aren't you doing that in your sales calls? Why aren't you doing that when you're managing people? Why aren't you doing that with people around? When you show up with so much energy because you know sales are on the line, they're on the line in your business too with the people who already believe in you, right? So you need to apply the same level of rigor in one area as you do with all of them. And generally speaking, I find business owners do a good job with this in sales because that's where it's like the lifeblood of your business. You don't make money, you die. But to keep it simple, but they don't apply that to the other areas of like, they don't feel that same level of pressure. And I say, apply it, apply that same level of pressure. Assume that all of your employees are going to leave you tomorrow. Assume all of your existing clients, Alex Ramosi talks a lot about this hundred million dollar offers, right? As always assume that your clients that have already, that love you, assume Mickey's going to leave you. Assume Mickey's going to say, you know, one day, uh, Brent is this amazing. I love his YouTube channel. Then the next day, I, who's this guy again? Ass- you're never going to say it, but assume that's the, so how do you always win them back? How do you always win them back? That's the perspective I like to take. So it's not really like specific tactics. It's more of a mindset, which is always assume that the person is going to leave, which is a simple anecdote. I was like going meta with podcast interviews, which is why am I investing 45 minutes on a podcast? Like I'm tired. I've I've done so many interviews. Why? Because I still value the one-on-one. I told myself when I started this game, Mickey, whether it's business or YouTube, that if I did 10,000 podcasts, 10,000. I didn't say a 10, I said 10,000, even if it was only the host listening to me, because I have no clue how big your podcast is, literally none. It's literally, the point is how energetic you are. If I can sell you, not on a product, not on a service, but just liking me, and I do that 10,000 times, I'll have 10,000 raving fans. And that's all I need. And I'm so glad you answered the way you did, because the way that you brought it around and showed like the intention is really the same. The rigor and the energy is still the same. And you have to take the same, um, I want to say, like high risk approach. It's a win or lose situation in in both sides, internally and externally, whether you're selling or whether you're leading in a team internally, there's risk. And your communication matters and is directly related to whether you're going to keep or lose either the client or the team member. Love it. Brendan, okay, I know you have a workshop tomorrow. I know you have lots on the go. For our listeners who are now raving fans because you delivered so much incredible value, where can they find you? How can they connect with you and learn with you more? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This is a delight, Mickey. So I really appreciate the time and and the conversation. So two easy ways to keep in touch. The first one is definitely the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of cool videos on how to speak. And the second way to keep in touch, to your point, I do a free training every three weeks 
on how to communicate ideas. So if you want to jump in on that, it's free, it's live, it's interactive, and it's not some boring webinar. I facilitate it myself. And all you have to do is register at rockstarcommunicator.com. Uh, amazing. I will link to everything in the description, send it out to everyone. Brendan, thank you so much for your time today. I so appreciate it. It was great to get to know you. Likewise, Mickey. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining me in another episode of the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast. Thanks to our season one sponsor, Asteri Pursuit Marketing and Communications. You can find show notes and resources at hustlelessprofitmorepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us where you get your podcasts. Join us again next time to uncover more of the keys to achieving success, wealth, fulfillment, and freedom. Thanks for listening.